0: when COVID first reared its head, a lot of employers began to think that we were going to have a hiring slowdown. Really the opposite happened. I mean, we had a bit of a boon. It was like going to war for the United States, right? Jobs were created, products were produced. We very quickly found ourselves with a talent shortage in several areas. Not understanding the economic landscape of even a pandemic was mistake number one. Not realizing the whiplash effect after that subsided. Mm Besides, mistake number two, even if we did realize the whiplash effect, the Fed didn't really act quickly enough and there, there were several things. Some of this economic season that we're going through now could have been avoided to an extent.
1: Welcome to the podcast where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity, to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner.
2: All right, welcome everybody. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the podcast Live. I know it's been a long time in the making. Uh, I am thrilled to welcome my guest today, From the great state of Texas, the city of Dallas, Mr. Craig
0: Fisher. Craig, what's happening, man? Adam, how you doing? It's great to be here. Fantastic. uh, Beautiful weather in Texas. And what a cool intro you've got there.
2: thank you i appreciate i have to i have to update that one that one's from like three years ago look at the pictures of my kids at the end of it and i'm like my kids are much older i i I have a studio now but uh yes thank you and i and i appreciate it and everyone who's tuning in either live or on the replay thank you so much for choosing to spend time with craig and i i got this new soundboard i should i have like some intro music so let's let's try this out can you hear this is that coming through yeah so what I wanted to do was welcome back to the podcast live. It is Thursday, October 26, right? I lose track. 26th of the year, 2023. I'm thrilled to welcome my guest today, Mr. Craig Fisher. Craig has a brand new book out called Hiring Humans. And today we're going to break it down and talk about what it's all about, the process and all that kind of fun stuff. So, Craig, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. You're no stranger to crafting thought leadership. Well, actually, let's take a step back. If you would kindly introduce yourself to my audience, some folks may know you, some may not. Tell us who you are and what you do best.
0: Absolutely, my name's Craig Fisher. I am an advisor to employers worldwide on talent attraction, recruitment process improvement, technology selection and integration. Uh, I'm also an advisor to uh, technology and services vendors in the recruitment space and HR space, uh, and I have been doing that since. 2009, when I started the first ever hashtag chat for recruiting on Twitter.
2: He's uh, been he's been he's been around the block, and we, we 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 applaud you for all your efforts. Anyone who's had the privilege to see Craig speak live, I have a couple of times, and he's inspiring, a fantastic orator, and someone that I learn a lot from. We've been at the same events, and just watching you speak and the way you carry yourself, and and really being a, a champion for for our industry. And you've seen it all. Um, Been there, done that, the ups and downs, and you bring a really unique perspective from a a couple of different ways. One from DEI and B, from technology, from uh, leadership, uh, administration, and all those pieces too. So let's talk about the book. What was the impetus behind writing this book?
0: Well, so I'm big on documenting uh, anything that you do, right? If you can't prove it, it didn't happen. If you can't show it later, right, it's not lasting. And in employment and talent acquisition, the biggest cause of uh, strife in hiring people is turnover in your own organization. The second biggest cause is turnover from the vendors that you work with to help you hire, engage on board and nourish people in your organization. Uh, and so if you document something, then it's forever. Uh, you can you can pass that on to people who are coming after you to, uh, to do the job and carry on the work. So I document uh, case studies for every employer that I do interesting work with. And it just got to be a time where I had enough of the right case studies that I could tell the story in the proper order of how I do uh, talent attraction, SEO for jobs and employers, uh, you know, good candidate experience onboarding and, and also engagement.
1: There's
2: so much to un, unpack here or, around the book. And I also, I, 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 it's a time capsule as well too. I wrote uh right in the beginning of the pandemic, I wrote um, the pause course. I wanted to get down all my thoughts and IP on how I created my podcast and how I use it as a business development tool And it's also paying it forward, right? You're documenting and and you're sharing the knowledge. But let's talk about the process for you. You mentioned that you're compiling these case studies, you're adding your insights, your POV on it. What was was one of those aha moments for you during the process of writing
0: this book? So at one point, uh, I had gotten quite a few of my ideas down and gotten it to where we thought we had a book. It was pretty detailed and pretty long. And I previewed it to some friends that are, you know, you would know, um, right? The Tim Sackets of the world. And, and I got heckled and uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, You know, you know, private zoom. meeting.
1: What did they heckle you on?
0: They said, you can't put everything in this book, right? You've done so much. You can't. (laughs) you can't put it all here. And I, and I realized they were right, right? I needed to tell this story. And this story is basically, it's kind of what I do. It's the consulting work that I do. It showcases that, but it also is a really good primer for anyone in talent acquisition at the leadership level or just getting started to help you think outside the box. And I, I, I realized that, you know, let's do that first. And then the, the principles here can also be applied to Sales teams, marketing teams, job seekers, uh, and so there may be more books like that.
2: So I want to I want to take a step back. I'm 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 curious to get your take. What what have you seen over the last three years since the the pandemic started? Generally speaking, in regards to talent, where where have we dropped the ball? Where have we really let candidates and internal employees down? And mm-hmm. where have you seen? I'll pause there. We'll talk about the good stuff after. Let's talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly over the last couple of
0: years. So initially when COVID uh, first reared its head, um, a lot of employers uh, began to think that we were going to have a hiring slowdown, that business was going to slow down. Uh, Really the opposite happened. I mean, we had a bit of a boon. It was like going to war for the United States, right? Jobs were created products were produced. And we very quickly found ourselves with a talent shortage in several areas. And so not understanding uh, sort of the economic landscape of even a pandemic uh, was, was kind of mistake number one. And then not realizing the whiplash effect uh, that would take place, you know, uh, after that subsides, mm-hmm. mistake number two. I mean, even if we did realize the whiplash effect, the Fed didn't really act no. quite quickly enough, and there, there were several things some of this uh you know uh, economic season that we're going through now could have been avoided to an extent
2: yeah i would have to I would have to agree with that I mean if for anyone who's, who's following the timeline, right, interest rates were low. there was cheap money out there mm-hmm. through PPP loans and other government subsidized and what companies do? They, to say the least, they they've been yeah. tired. They absolutely been tired and it petted their numbers. It looked good to investors, it looked good to growth. And let's talk about what happened there. All yeah. these teams were robust, right? Like like they the all of a sudden people were staffed up. Things mm-hmm. were hap- happening for the most part internally. But what was really going on?
0: Yeah. So we we went through a, a period uh early on there where we we overdosed on Easy Apply, mm-hmm. right? So, indeed, made Easy Apply and and kind of stopped at some point giving you the ability to directly integrate uh, to your ATS without quite a few hurdles. Mm. And a lot of employers jumped on that Easy Apply bandwagon, but they didn't ask any qualifying questions in that process. And so, you end up with you know thousands or tens of thousands of applicants for jobs that really you you need 10 people for
2: right they made it too easy like it was literally like the the staples easy button people but, were smashing that and they were they were indiscriminately applying yeah. and but i don't think and i and obviously you have a maybe you could add some data to it. it it looks on the optics on the outside make it look easier to the job seeker but what it's really doing is completely log jamming the entire application process and the folks that are hurting the most are the qual- most qualified ones. That's there's right. only so much volume that they're recruited. Listen, everyone knows this. There's no ATS bot. There's there's a human being on the back end that is rejecting yeah. your email, your your resume. Unless there's a qualifying question around a certain skill, knockout questions, we like to call them, mm-hmm. a certain skill, geographical location, status uh, from a, from an employment visa kind of status thing, or Uh, for example, I'm working tech jobs that require FBI and poly background. If you don't have it, it's a deal breaker, right? Aside from that, there's a human.
0: Yeah, there's a human. And there are easy ways with spot technology or even sort of advanced, uh, indeed, um, you know, technique to, to ask some of those qualifying questions. Do you live in the country that we're hiring and are you currently able to work there? And do you have XYZ certification if that's required? Like, A couple of quick questions still, right? You want a short apply. And if there's a longer tail on the back of that, come back around later to have the candidate finish that, especially if you've got a workday or some sort of login screen that you have to get through in order to apply.
2: You want to keep that. You want to keep the friction low, but also, in my opinion, have enough friction where where there is a tad of effort. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, we don't want people having to rewrite their resume. We want simple parsing or uploading. Those are basics. Those are the one on one stuff. But qualifying questions, in my opinion, are important. And I think it also forces the candidate to think, am I qualified for this job? Right. I can't even tell you. I mean, as an as a in-the-trenches recruiter, I now have to put on certain roles that I'm posting, U.S. only remote, no sponsorship. I can't even tell you how many people disregard that oh, yeah. and apply. So that's just a minimum. But if you think about like the early stages of the pandemic, how easy it was to apply, the log jam, the yeah. log jam and how that, <laughs> yeah. that affects the system.
0: You said something interesting about the ATS bot earlier, and um, that's a real thing, right? I mean, there is no ATS bot, but the perception is that the ATS is using AI to screen out your resume. And so you have to just copy the keywords of every uh, job into your resume and then apply. And if there's no qualifying questions in between there, then yes, you are corrupting the system for the qualified candidates. It's really tough. And nothing has really changed. Uh, since we were doing this 10 and 20 years ago, right? I mean, what happens is resumes pile up in a database, whether that's your inbox or your applicant tracking system or whatever it is you're using. And then you go search through those resumes with keywords to try to pull out the ones that maybe are the best match. Um, It's not possible if you've got tens of thousands of applicants to, to fully review all those resumes.
2: There was. I was looking at open recruiter roles the other day, and there was a recruiter role posted, and three hours there's thirteen hundred applicants. Mm-hmm. How? I mean, how's that even manageable? So if you think about, it, if you're the recruiter on the back end who's reviewing right. all these, you're going to be searching. Now I've seen some great tech where it's scoring and it's evaluating, yeah. which is not a knockout bot because it's not automatically eliminating, but it is making the recruiter's job a bit easier. What? Well, let let let's throw a curveball here. Is there a way to hack it? And like, even though you might hack it and get your way into a call, you still have to prove yourself on the interview, right? Yeah. Like, what would you advise candidates as far as, like be truthful,
0: just be straight up. Uh, be truthful, obviously. Be straight up, <clears throat> but be responsive and be thoughtful in your responses. So here's the thing: it, there are there's matching software, right? We know that there are software um, yeah. vendors that can stack rank your resume mm-hmm. or your application um and kind of put you in a a b or c category. Now, um is there bias built into that because they're using ai maybe, right? And they might mm-hmm. have to prove that it's not biased that that process. That's fine. Uh but I like a system better that evaluates your communication and interactions. Mm-hmm. So if there's an automated response, hey great, thanks for sending your resume. Can you answer a couple of quick questions and then it evaluates how you answer that right there there are some there's some great ways to do that and that's a really better methodology if you ask me
2: so i'm 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 going to give a shout out right now i i i met the team at plum when we were in uh in in in, in Nashville yeah and i went through a demo of it and i'm not mm-hmm. fully endorsing them i mean i would love to endorse them if they wanted to sponsor that that's on the table plum folks <laughs> yeah. but From an overall perspective of what that technology does and how it makes it easier, this is a technology that sits on top of an ATS system. It sits in between the ATS system and the recruiter. And what it's doing, it is actually uh, it sends out a survey to qualified candidates Mm -hmm. and it's pretty short. It's about eight minutes. It's not some long, you know, uh, you know, crazy psychological assessment. But those questions have been formatted in a way that's going to assess your hard and soft skills and score you on that. And they've removed the element of gaming it. Right. It's one of the things where you can't game it. it. It's just, it's too impossible. And that's given the edge to recruiters as well there too, because it's going to stack rank candidates and make it easier for them to review applicants. What's your general thoughts on, 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 on tools like this?
0: That's absolutely the way to do it. Um, we might as well go ahead and do a shout out to Jason Putnam right now. <laughs>
2: Sponsorship. Uh,
0: in fact, I'm meeting here. with him later today. That's funny. They're going to. And show you could you could send me.
2: them this link and say the podcast mm-hmm. would love to. Change. And Katrina's sure. great. Katrina was awesome yesterday. Shout out to Katrina. Yeah.
0: Well, so um, shameless, might...
2: plug. shameless plug. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Do I have a shameless plug button? I could use the, the record. Okay. Shameless plug.
0: Sorry. So, as an employer, you might be stuck with your applicant tracking system. Okay. So fine. And also, um, employers call me all the time and say hey, can you help us select a new applicant tracking system kind of on the down low? Because we don't want our vendor to know. Don't, don't tell them we're shopping anymore. They're too expensive. And it doesn't really Right. Work. Yeah. And <laughs> what I what I say is, first of all, have you really thought this through? And have you actually looked at the contract very closely of what you've got? Because most of the time, they're not using all of the features or not properly using what they've got, right? And their relationship with that vendor is broken for various reasons. And it's not the best... I mean, there, whatever you're going to get that's better is not necessarily better. I mean, just going to be honest, right? It's just going to be a nine-month to a one-and-a-half-year process. Onboarding
2: month. and transferring right. and learning. Like like
0: under, underutilized tools is a great point, Craig. Yeah. And so understanding what you've got is, is a big part of that. And then understanding what could plug into that as an overlay or an attachment, uh, right, that can help fix what you think is wrong with it and there's plenty of i mean there are hundreds of great tools and so just understanding uh which tools work with which platforms which integrate well which you know which are backlogged which are understaffed Mm -hmm. right all of these things you know if you know someone who knows the shortcuts and the answers it helps to be able to ask those questions
2: how does a company know if they need it versus want it versus just being sold by you know, the
0: sales rep. Yeah. You're always being sold by the sales rep or whether you, right. I mean, you're seeing, yeah, you're seeing if they're any good, you're seeing ads and you're seeing, um, social posts and, and they're in your peripheral vision and that's, that's smart. That's just good marketing. So you have to be wily enough to know, okay, yes, I'm being sold to, yes, I feel like drinking a diet Coke right now for some reason. Right. But uh, you don't, you don't just go drink diet Coke all the time. Um, but vendors come to me and, and and say, hey, help us push our product. And uh, I have to be of the mindset of well, let me see your product and let me talk yeah. to your engineers and let me right. meet your CEOs. And uh, right. It's a whole it's the whole thing. It's not just the product. Software what, do you look, what, what, do you,
2: what do you look for when you're when you're interviewing them? What, what, what do you look? Do you put yourself in? I assume you put yourself in, in two camps, the yeah. the the the, uh, the client and within that, the day-to-day recruiter who's in the system, and then the decision makers in the organization from the ROI cost standpoint, right. and the full integration, and then also the
0: job seeker standpoint. So I'm the employer advocate uh, second. I'm the job seeker advocate first, okay? So job seekers, then employer, mm-hmm. then Love it. then software vendors, <laughs> in the, in that order. And so I put myself in the job seeker mm-hmm. shoes, as all employers should, and say, you know, is this going to actually help them? Or is this just something that somebody in our organization is buddies with and is pushing on us? Yeah, they're going to get a trip to
2: Vegas on the back right? end of this one.
0: Or do we have some, uh, you know, big corporate partnership with SAP? And so therefore, we have to get all their pride, right? Their preferred I mean,
2: vendors. Yeah.
0: So when an employer comes to me and says, Craig, we want to add AI to our technology stack. and William Tincup will say that saying technology stack makes you sound old. So uh, we'll call it something else, uh, technology system. And the first question is why, right? This is what employers need to be asking. Why? Why are we doing this? Well, we want to automate things like, um, you know, interview scheduling. Okay, well, but that's not AI. That's simple automation that's been around for years. And you don't have to go pay for, a platform boasting AI and lots and lots of features and benefits to get that. That's a simple, that's a simple add on or hack. And so you you need to take a holistic look at what you've got uh, and create a before and after scenario. Where do you want to be? And do you need, and this is how I evaluate some of these vendors. Will you sell just this? Or is it required that I spend the full mm-hmm. $350,000 to get your entire Jeez. platform? Right.
1: Interesting. So
2: let's let's talk about the elephant in the room, AI. And I, I roll into Recfest in Nashville um mm-hmm. on, on, on the first day and I, I take a scan around the grounds and every vendor I see that I saw in the UK, it's their same name. They just added dot AI to the end dot of it. I'm AI, like, yeah. What the yeah. F. I'm like, guys, I'm like, A, do you know what AI is? Mm-hmm. How are you incorporating it? How is this making a difference? And is this just some shit we got to slap this ai sticker on here because that's what everyone else is doing and then i go over to the booth and i start asking them questions about their data inputs Mm -hmm. are you just taking your current databases you really what ai are you using how are you
0: using it what's 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 your take and is it really necessary it's not necessary and so the the bottom line is everyone is using ai in their day-to-day right um to get work done there is ai in your phone right mm-hmm. your phone is the most knowledgeable uh thing you, right um well, it's machine I mean, learning
2: so i think people overuse it too like let's talk ai what it really means right there's lots of components in various levels of ai machine learning machine intelligence
0: it is levels. machine learning but the the apps that um are starting to shape our lives really get to know us Mm -hmm. right? The health app on your phone or your watch, right? Things like this, Spotify, um, all of these tools do use like pretty smart AI algorithms to adjust, right? And make things more, (laughs) make things more convenient for you, right? Possibly more convenient for you to buy stuff also. But um, yes, it's, it's automation, it's machine learning. Is it truly smart? Well, I mean, Elon Musk says that your phone is the sentient extension of your, your being. So maybe.
2: It's scary at times.
0: Yeah. But no, not all technology for software uh, vendors in recruiting and HR needs to boast AI. They're Damn using it. it, right? Is it really part of their tech stack for building the product that they're offering? Or is it a button that allows you to go out and search? chat GPT and bring back results into your dashboard.
2: You know, from a, from a recruiter standpoint, this has been fun and, and kudos to to Kevin Logan Jr. My good friend, Alex fish, who have been uh, pushing me to really dig deep into personal use of chat GPT and playing with chat GPT 3.5 and four um, over the last few days in different ways from helping me create outreach emails and it helps with tone and sentiment. Like I think I'm a good writer. And then I take that same message and I put it through with different prompts and it's giving yeah. me a whole different perspective. Now, do I take that as gospel? No. no do I take can't. that as insight? No, because sometimes it comes off a little uh, robotic, in my opinion. Uh, but the cheesy thing is sometimes. Correct. And it's, it's a little bit automated. Yeah. Um, but where I found from a recruiter standpoint, and Kevin and I, I see him in the, in the comments there, we've been putting job descriptions and getting bullion searches coming out of that. Mm-hmm. And it's the not so obvious search words that are making the difference and helping you think and being that, that like, I feel like I'm the terminator sometimes that I got this third eye and I could just, you know, utilize it. So recruiters out there, I urge you to embrace technology. Oh yeah. Don't be shy from it. Use it. And people say it's going to take over your job. Well, it might, if you don't know how to use it and you
0: could. That's right. <laughs> so what's uh? let's, let's get back to, I'm sorry. You have another point on this. Well, it's just a tool, right? I mean, it's a tool. It doesn't work by itself. Neither do phones, neither does the internet, neither does a calculator, right? Somebody's got to wind the clocks. So you have to learn to use the tools that are available and that are modern. And if you're stuck, you know, saying, I'm not even going to be on Facebook, then well, good luck in recruiting.
2: All right. So here's, I want, I want to take a quick left turn for a minute and then I want to get back to the book here. So I've been doing a lot of competitive analysis out there mm. and really trying to gut check myself on like, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What am I maybe not looking at? What are my blind spots? So I've been doing a lot of competitive analysis in this down market when I have a little bit of bandwidth. And I'm seeing companies just doing things different, whether it be just the the model, where they're turning the recruiting model on its head. I mean, I personally think that the contingency model is awful, right? And that's a whole other podcast. I mean, I do it because I have to be competitive. I mean, I think the future really is fractional, high-touch RPO Mm -hmm. and really customized. That's another core offering that we, we do here at, at NHP and PNT. Um, but I'm looking more about how companies are reaching out and how they're using these automation tools. For example, um, a friend called me yesterday and she said, hey, Adam, can you have a minute? This recruiter, quote unquote, on LinkedIn reached out to me. Mm. Her profile looks something fishy about it. Yeah, I replied, yes, I'm interested. And then they automatically connected with somebody else. Are these companies really creating these Quasi bot AI generated profiles for algorithmic driven lead gen, and then they drive. I, and I, I saw it. I mean, I I know the inside baseball, and the red flags were in my face. But for the average job seeker, they would just get on those calls. All of a sudden, you're submitting your resume to something without even a job. Just again, their database.
0: That's right. So the 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 fear is and the danger of doing automated marketing on LinkedIn is that you'll get caught and your account will be suspended. Mm-hmm. So yes, they create fake accounts and uh, run ads with them. And so, I mean, it mm-hmm. is gaming the system. Eventually LinkedIn will crack down on that as they do every few years. <laughs> few uh, when years. They, right. They, yeah, they do. Few
1: but, years.
0: Yeah.
2: So how about that? You do it every, every few weeks. They should do it every few, weeks. <laughs> few years. And they just let like, go 700 people. Who's going to be, who's going to be policing LinkedIn?
0: Right. Yeah. Not well. LinkedIn doesn't do it well enough. I'm a, I'm a fan of LinkedIn for what it is. Um, I'm not a fan of LinkedIn constantly trying to push recruiter seats on everyone.
2: Mm. I don't
0: think we, I don't think you need that. I mean, if you know how to use LinkedIn, that's let's, let's, let's talk about that someday.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting too. I just got hit with my, uh, I forgot my, uh, recruiter was on auto payment. And then I look at my credit card. I'm like, "Oh, thank you. Thank you. LinkedIn for, right. for, 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 that one here. So I want to, I want your annual
0: time. renewal. Yeah.
2: Thank you for the annual renewal that you don't even give me a second to think about. Cause yeah. if I want to renew it or not. Right. And then if you, anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go down that. Hey
1: everybody. I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love. And our latest sponsor interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, InterSeller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20 plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two week free trial, and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the
2: website. Appreciate it. So I want I want to talk about the 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 employee the. Uh the candidate experience and yeah. as an in the trenches recruiter, I think that this is an area that has so much room to grow. And I, it always starts at the top in my opinion. If, yeah. the, if the leadership cares about hiring and if the leadership cares about the process, it's going to trickle down. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's different ways to look at it. Cause you could have, you know, folks working in T who aren't great or they do care and they're not getting the support, the support from above. And it blows my mind how companies do not, prioritize and invest in the candidate experience. And then they wonder why they can't fill roles and they wonder why there's attrition in their organization. Right. I'd love your perspective here.
0: So in my opinion, we unpack our fancy new machines, right? Our, our applicant tracking system or CRM, whatever it is. And we think we can set it and forget it. And (laughs) we don't take enough time to customize the messaging and the timing and all of those things uh, that, that come out of it, out of the box, right? And so when you're an employer thinking about candidate experience, you've got to apply to your own jobs first and foremost. Apply to your job and note the things, not just the technical things, but the the feeling. The messaging, get, the tone. Right? The tone, the messaging, the timing. How long does it take? And then is there a, a huge pause between your response and whatever happens next? If there's, if there's, if it doesn't feel good, it probably isn't good. Right. And so then you have to look at what levers do I have to flip in order to Mm -hmm. make that more seamless and better and feel personal. And, and that's really the thing. The people that we're trying to get to apply to our jobs are our future coworkers. Exactly. Right. I mean, if they're not right for that job, great, but their next door neighbor might be or their uncle or their daughter, whatever we want to make fans out of them. And we're not doing a good job most of the time.
2: There's such an opportunity to gain customers and loyal supporters by the way you treat folks in the process That's right, and the way they refer it. If you treat someone well with empathy, care and understanding and you reject them, hey, I'm still a fan of Coca-Cola. I applied. I didn't work there. No hard feelings. But if they treat me like shit, screw it. I'm going to Pepsi. Sure. Right? Because people, these are your customers. This is your, your, well, generally speaking. And the other part of it too is, the negative effect on your current employees, attrition, right? Yeah. Like when people are let go, people are doing two, three times the work. Don't you want to fill those roles quickly with the best? Po- like there's that cross section, right? Best quality people, fastest amount of time. Right. That's that's what we're tasked to do as recruiters. Yeah. And when you're getting slowed down from the top, and you're not giving the tools, and you're not giving the support,
0: it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster that can easily be avoided, right? I mean. We are sitting on top of a lot of talent data that we generally haven't done enough with, right? We we hire so analytics peoples, and we generate these reports and we talk about it, but we don't actually do any take any action on the right on the data that we have. With ChatGPT and generative AI, we're about to be able to really analyze and take action on this mountain of data that we've got. Mm to be able to fix a lot of these problems. I mean, we're about to be in a data revolution because of the, wait. the way these tools can summarize data quickly for us. And those data points
2: are gonna be interesting because there's traditional metrics, which is time to hire, time to fill, which I think are kind of antiquated because there's a lot of X factors that kind of go into it. So yeah. let's make those, those metrics, which I think are valuable, actually be um, populated with, more informed with smarter data with additional data points that, that handle all those nuances and X factors. Mm-hmm. Are we
0: getting there? I like things like, I like simple metrics, Adam. Um, mm. I think we overcomplicate things. I think we uh, use too many flowery words in, uh, in in employment and hiring and consulting. And I think we, <laughs> I, I think we overcomplicate things. So I like things like um, hiring velocity. Mm. And Tell me what uh, that means. So that means, right, are you able to hire enough of the right people quickly enough, right? And so if you think about things like time to interview versus uh, time to fill.
2: Pause on that for a second. Yeah. Time to interview is Mm -hmm. such a critical metric from the time someone applies to their first interaction to the second one, to that that whole system of variances between stages. That's a critical metric.
0: Critical metric and cost per interview could be also a very good critical metric because what happens at the recruiter level, you're responsible up to the interview part, right? Mm -hmm. Once you get the interview set, then the rest is sort of up to the hiring manager or right whatever comes after that. Now you may be responsible to go back and finish closing that person Hmm. and you should be closing that person all along, but- Getting the right people, right. If if they've got an interview, then they're the right people, uh, right? Or at least they're close to the right people. And I think that's a a, a very overlooked uh, metric, right there.
2: It's almost like you're you're a baseball guy. Are you Rangers? You're a Rangers fan.
1: Congrats! Yeah, oh, yeah. Congrats! You, you got
2: a, you got a couple of my Mets in there. You know, oh, yeah. you got Scherzer, Boy, and You got my old guys. Yeah. Scherzer's useless. I mean, the guy can't win in the playoffs. So you're you're happy to take that salary. And that's uh, good. I think he's great. We got some nice prospects for for him, so thank you for that. And you're and, welcome. But i i got no skin in this game in this World Series. Yeah, I really don't. I like the scrappiness of Arizona. I sure. always kind of root for the scrappiness there. Yeah. Um, I got nothing against the Rangers. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I we'll, we'll sit back and watch that. They so beat the
0: Astros, Adam. That's all you have to know. Hate, I hate,
2: hate, right? Hate, hate, hate. hate. Going back, to, I'm a Mets fan. My earliest childhood memories of the '86 playoffs and World Series. Mike Scott with that split finger fest, uh, the, the his, yeah. his split finger and the cheating, and it was just uh, it seems, yeah. yeah, it's just nasty. Okay, um, the metric that I, and I bring up baseball for a reason because there's a metric I love in baseball called the WAR wins above replacement, mm. right? And that's kind of a quality to hire metric, yeah. which is interesting if there's a way to match the person that left versus the quality of the hire. And how good is a team up upskilling and up upgrading the entire team? Like, let's do a little sabermetrics right. mindset into hiring and recruiting.
0: So this goes back to my point about documenting things well, right? As recruiters, as business people, as employees, whatever, you should be documenting every good outcome and how you did it, okay? And so that the person walking into your role when you leave mm-hmm. it has a really good roadmap on what was successful and how did we do it? And what should we keep doing? Um, and we don't do enough of that, right? So yeah. onboarding is like, Hey, watch all these videos and we'll talk to you in three days. And,
2: like and you're lucky to get a computer these days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, maybe you get a buddy that's going to help you get oriented with the company. And, um, but nobody says, Hey, read these notes from the person who just left. I mean, that, that rarely happens. I, 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 <clears throat> never seen somebody leave a love note, right? Like it,
2: it doesn't happen. People don't document the process. Yeah.
0: No, they don't document the process well enough. And I mean, I proactively, a lot of people who have been leaders and managers will write a sort of a journal of, you know, what's happened, right? It's, it's your, it's your Kanban or whatever. So, but I, I don't think it's universally accepted as a best practice.
2: Right. I mean, we can sit here and then pick the job process all day, and I think that the a lot of the um, the the trash talking and the process from candidates on LinkedIn is is warranted. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of companies that have broken. Pro- I think the my opinion is if you actually strip away a lot of the nonsense and done in a vacuum in an efficient way, the current process isn't terrible. Right. right. How else? How 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 are we supposed to evaluate someone's history? Now, I always say like like use it as an indicator, but it's not a predictor. Mm-hmm. Right when I'm looking at a resume, but how else are we supposed to review somebody? How else are we supposed to say if someone's qualified on paper from a skill set perspective for this role versus just having conversations with 100% of the people that apply? There has to be an indicator. What are some of your thoughts about the future mm-hmm. of career skill identity? Mm-hmm. in the future and how that's presented for future roles.
0: So it, it's interesting. Jets and shits, man. Yeah, You talk about skills-based hiring and that's a big topic right now. And so that kind of overrides uh, work history, right? So if you've got these skills, you should be hiring based on skills, right? Great. I'm not sure I, I 100% believe in that. Um, but what I do believe in is quality of work. Right. So, so what? You were only at one place for six months. Great. What did you do there? What
2: What did you do there? I asked that question to Bozeman, St. John. She said the same thing. I said, does it matter? You're only at Netflix one year? She goes, well, what did I do there?
0: Right. Yeah. And there are people, so there are a few different types of employees you can hire, right? You can hire a a ringer. That is someone you need right now. You can hire a player that is someone you're going to want to keep long-term. Right or then there are bnc players mm-hmm. that are there for different roles. Um, but if you're it, and look at the job that you're hiring for, do you need someone that can come in and be this this contract uh hitman or woman Hi-time. and and right and and fix this mercenary type of project. So if that's what you need, yes, you're going to have someone that's got 6 months here and 3 months there because that's what they do.
2: Mhm. You can't always judge it based on 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 timelines. You need to say what did you do when you were there? What impact did you make in that organization at that time? I mean, the the worst one I see is high, you know, higher higher for for character, train for skill. Yeah. And I say you're missing the big caveat on that one, uh-huh. assuming that they have the skills unnecessary. Like you're a doctor, you want to have a medical degree, right? right? That's it's an extreme, you know, analogy, but it's it's true. Yeah. So what have you seen as far as innovations? Well, let me ask you this. Let's go, mm-hmm. Let's, let's kick it back when you're interviewing somebody, mm-hmm. assuming by the time they get to you in the interview process, that they yeah. have the core skills necessary for that position. Right. In a 45, 60 minute conversation. What, what are you asking to, to
0: ascertain skill uh, values and character? <laughs> Tell me about yourself. And I shut up. And I mean, Right. You can't ask specific questions about their religion or their, are they married or they have kids and mm-hmm. right. That's it's tough. You, you can't do that. So an open-ended question is the best way to get someone and how good are they at it? Right. That requires someone to dance and to have a story and to be able to communicate well. Uh, and it's, it's difficult.
2: How do we remove, I mean, in this day and age in 2023, um, us as recruiters and talent professionals need to be mindful of diversity, neurodiverse, um, introverted folks. That I mean, listen, mm-hmm. an interview is better or worse. You're on a stage, you're performing, yep. and that's what the process is for most mm-hmm. jobs. I mean, I think certain technical roles you could you could avoid some of the if you don't have to be front and center people. You're not judging on that, but. In this day and age, you're handicapping a lot of folks. I don't like that word. You're you're limiting folks' abilities who might have certain, uh, you know,
0: issues. So, I believe that some of your recruiting team should be trained, right, to level the playing field for those folks. And it's it's very important because a lot of these workers, employees, coworkers, right, whatever you want, to, they are our they are our partners. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are extremely good at their job, but they might not be the best at explaining how or why they're good at that job, Um, and right, various other things. And so, you you need to have some training for your recruiting team in how to help level things up for them.
2: Smart. It's about that comes back to DEI and B, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you tie in your HR teams? Um into that a quick little antidote. And I, I never really talked about this. One of one of my most interesting and challenging interviews early on, I was working at an ad agency and it was a, a copywriter position. And the candidate pinged me beforehand and said, I am almost 95% deaf. And now I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I wrote back, I go, How would how would you best prefer to be communicated? And he wrote back to me, he said, we're gonna go on Zoom, the whatever I forget we're using some weird platform back before Zoom was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use the chat. And when he was able to talk to me, he did, but he prepared me and set it up. And I took a moment to think about how am I going to, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to read, I'm going to listen. And I think us as recruiters, we need to listen recruiters are getting piled on right now. Companies have cut back to skeleton crews. The amount of applications have never been heavier. The process is slowing down, but we still have to lead and work with empathy because we We are the gatekeepers, yeah. Us in the, in the trenches, recruiters, we're, 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 we're gatekeepers. How, how, do you, how do you coach uh, companies and teams for um, newer or even more advanced recruiters to be more empathetic when sometimes we actually are in quite an administrative role at times, unfortunately?
0: Right. So I, first and foremost, you need to understand your recruiting team and how do they treat their colleagues, right? The people they're currently working with. Are they good teammates? Are they open? Are they helpful? Are they mentors? And then put it back to them and say, these candidates are your colleagues. These are people that, right, they work in the same field as right. you, right? Or as our company, as our our business, right? If you treated someone in accounting the way you might treat this candidate, would that be Okay. Because that that person, whether right currently they are a fit for this organization or this role, that can change. Yeah. So the whole theory and one of the best features of a tool like Eightfold is it looks at an employee's background uh, because you get what do you get? You get a resume when an employee comes <laughs> into your comes into your organization, right? You get a resume when an employee enters your organization, and then. Five years later, you don't have an updated resume from them. So it's whatever is in your applicant tracking system and your uh, your HRIS system. And th- mm-hmm. that's the information you have. So there, there are tools, right? Seekout does a good job of it. Eightfold does a good job of it. That's, it says... That's a sponsorship <laughs> button. Okay. That says, uh, this person, after five years, should by now have these skills and possibly these certifications and might be a good fit for these jobs in your organization. Right. And that's the type of uh, sort of attitude we need to have towards candidates that aren't necessarily currently a match. Say, listen, we would love for you to join our, I don't like the word talent community, Mm -hmm. but join our, uh, you know, our work community and keep us up to date on your progress because We'd love to know if there is a future fit for you here and just keep in well, touch.
2: Communication. And oh God, I mean, I've been having this conversation with a lot of people. When we go back to data, Craig, the, the sheer amount, if we're talking a large, somewhat enterprise size organization, let's just say it's a 5,000 person company and you can figure out back in napkin, how many active roles there are, how many applications out of all those applications, how many get through the, we're talking a funnel here now, right. get through the interview process, get to a final round, and final round usually comes down to a couple of candidates that are all qualified, and it comes down to a couple of factors. Companies have such a database of qualified candidates that they've invested time and money into screening that there's other options for them. I've been talking to a couple of companies and ideas about how do you take these pre-screen resources and funnel them into other opportunities, mm-hmm. so and it's, the, that's part of the, the 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 candidate experience. Say, hey, you're not good for this role. And for I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but if you're interested to opt in here, here's a job board of 10 other companies that might be a good fit.
0: Yeah. Well, and think as an organization, who are the companies that we partner with? We're not competing with them, but they're our partners, right? They're our accounting firm or they're Mm -hmm. our vendor for X, Y, and Z. They are, right? And for a lot of these white collar jobs and even a lot of the hourly jobs, there are applicable even maybe better roles mm. in some of your partner organizations, a Company, right? And there are a few applicant tracking systems that kind of take this as the basis of their universe of candidates. Mm. So they say, all right, well, this candidate applied here, we're going to push potentially other good roles to them through our network or universe. Now there's good and bad things about this. A lot of employers say, Hey, that's my candidate. You know, it's I don't such I don't a want closed mindset, but yeah, a, it's, it's kind of know, an old school, uh, Pepsi, Pepsi remember,
2: like, right. That's a story like Pepsi yeah. would like all their Can't like, I mean, a big thing with, uh, with, with Facebook early in the day, the stories of them hiring people and Google just to keep them and not even have anything to do. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> stories. Yeah. They want to protect so, the
0: talent. that That's a real thing. Crazy and, shit. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, and I'll take that job. Please hire me. And I don't want to do anything and just give me a paycheck all day long.
0: Yeah, then you just go post things on Reddit all day. <laughs> no show
2: job, no show job alert. So let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about uh, transitioning from no show. What's Craig Fisher's hot take on work from home, remote in the office? What do you see? there's yeah. your your open ended. Tell me about yourself. I want to. Yeah, I yeah. want to hear your point of view here. so Do we need some theme music?
1: Now want, Craig yeah. is going to tell us
2: his. Thoughts on work from home, return to office, POV.
0: Thank you, Adam. (laughs) Employers want employees in the office uh, because it's a control thing. Um, So, I mean, that's the bottom line. You can't control your employee population as well if they're all remote. So it's a control thing. Um, And we're going to have to, as employees, suffer through some of this but where we will end up is not hundred percent back in the office. It'll be a blended, uh, work environment with some work from home. I mean, it's definitely going to be hybrid. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the work week will change because of this. Um, uh, we already see that, uh, office real estate is changing and let's not make the same mistakes of the past, right? I mean, so we get, one report that says, oh, people aren't as productive from home after we've had a hundred reports saying they're more productive from home. Mm -hmm. And we take this one report as now the gospel, which that's not, that's not accurate. I mean, you and I both know that we get more done from the house than we ever would from an office because of the commute, because of people walking in your office because of, right. you, You name it, any number of things.
2: I will counterpoint on a couple of things here. First of all, whenever we're talking about return to office, work from home, we're obviously talking about jobs that can be that. That's right. right. Your you're surgeon, your mechanic, uh, a lot of blue collar roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to be physically doing it. That's kind of a um,
0: requirement, yeah.
2: It is. You have to be there because that's where the equipment is. Um, I mean, I have a couple of uh, – like, it's interesting because from a creative perspective, from the agency world where I come from in recruiting – I've been there firsthand and I see that in-person collaboration, that energy, that magic comes in a creative space, a creative environment. They've tried to replicate it. They've done a decent job. Um, I had Kat Cole, the the, the CEO of Athletic Greens, on the show, and she said, we've mastered it. We're really good at this remote thing, but we do pay a remote tax. Mm -hmm. There is a certain percentage that we pay from a creative efficiency productivity standpoint, because here's the truth. Let's be honest. You and I, as upper middle-class white males living in suburban areas probably have a good physical space to work in our home or something else that we could utilize. There's yeah. a lot of this population that does not. They're right. stuck at home in small apartments, lots of kids, pets, animals, you know, things that don't make it or maybe rural areas where they may not have internet or who is productive sitting at a kitchen table all day versus our nice comfy offices. So I I, I just think, and it's no knock on you, I just think it's a bias That we have to at least be mindful of that some people are, my wife, for example, Mm -hmm. she is insane. She's not productive working from home. Mm -hmm. Now, albeit her commutes 12 minutes. Yeah. But there are people that need to be locked in productivity. And then what happens with working parents from a career growth standpoint, where you're competing against other folks trying to climb the corporate ladder, and now you're working from home all the time, balancing kids, all that stuff. Yes, there's a positive of being there for them. Mm-hmm. versus being in your dedicated space where you're present you're getting the face time I, it, it's there's no clear answer in my opinion you No, know, I, I, like, I think
0: it, I, I like the face time argument very much there's um components I, to it there's there's plenty of components to it right. but what i see is more often than not and i've had fancy corporate jobs and i've led global teams and i would go to my office in a fancy building,
2: yeah,
0: <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, right after my fancy commute, and go into my space, and shut the door, <laughs> shut the door, and get on my computer and have my meetings because I've got a global team, right? Or even if it's someone that's just down the hall or mm-hmm. on another floor, you're doing the same thing that we're doing right now most of the time, right. and so that ability for FaceTime those. Friday afternoon happy hours that you have in the mm-hmm. lunchroom um, they don't exist much anymore to be real yeah. honest I,
2: and, and you know what I we uh, I've been I've been polling my suburban tribe of working parents professionally for the last couple of years and I got to tell you something a lot of folks are really enjoying well for me let me let me bubble back up I, I've been preaching this it comes down to companies offering choice trust and options right here your choices i trust you to do your job anywhere and here are the options if you want to come to the office it's open if you don't want to come in you don't have to maybe there's core working hours core meetings and we all have ideas for that but a lot of folks at this point they enjoy going to the city one or two days a week when it's not mandatory absolutely choice yeah i want to get the hell out i want to get out of my my you know my athleisure you know lululemons i've been wearing all day long i want to go to the city I don't mind taking that train because I could catch up on a podcast. And like, I like being around my colleagues. I like feeling like an adult and not just a big kid who has a job to do. And yeah. they like that. The problem is, and you were alluding to it earlier, are these mandatory return to office. I mean, who was it? Nike just announced they have to return four days a week. Zoom, I mean, bro, you guys invented this shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Is it, is it also maybe a justification of real estate expenses?
0: Well, it is, and it's one more thing that goes to show that your employer brand is critical to your consumer brand, right? If you're publicly treating your employees in a way that doesn't jive with your product, um, you know you're going to suffer, and and Zoom clearly did. They took a big hit,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, right, when when they announced that. And so we have to be just cognizant of using empathy in all of these situations. Um, full time in the office is not for mm-hmm. everyone, full time at home is not for everyone, mm-hmm. uh, right? Somewhere in the middle is the balance and that's going to be somebody's job. That's a whole mm. new career now to figure yeah. that out.
2: I will not be signing up for that job. I will not be easy <laughs> applying for that job. So um, I wanna spend a few minutes before we we bring it home here and we're, we're coming up to the two o'clock hour here on the East Coast, one o'clock in central time and I can't do the math for Pacific. Um,
0: It'd be 11 a.m. Central. Thank uh, you. Pacific, sorry. Thank you. There we go.
2: Um, I want to talk about employer branding for a moment here. This is something I see Joel on the call and others. Yeah. Um, Attracting talent. Mm -hmm. What are what are you seeing out there? The good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Yeah. So, what I find very often um, with employers who have a really strong uh, consumer brand or corporate brand is that 90% of the time they don't take the extra effort to have a strong employer brand. There are some fantastic uh, counterexamples like Estee Lauder and some Mm -hmm. of these companies that, that really go above and beyond to showcase what it's really like to work inside the organization and show you know, their employees online on a regular basis to show a day in the life, mm-hmm. highlight them, you know, it's, it's employee of the week all the time there. And, uh, I, I absolutely love that approach. And I think in the future where right ghosting goes both ways, mm-hmm. the employers that have a, a, an authentic and transparent culture that they showcase to the outside world on a regular basis through their employees, are are going to win
2: and they're doing it on LinkedIn. I mean the companies that empower. I mean I've seen so many I mean look at um there's some amazing folks on LinkedIn who are representing their companies out there and showcasing them in an authentic way. Yeah. It's not forced. It's not an advertorial. They're doing it because they're empowered and they want because they want to attract there's no Jesus there's no better tool to attract new employees and current employees. That's right. There's nothing better. You don't need to hear from the CEO. You need to see people loving and loving their job. Uh, it, it's 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 incredible. You yeah. know, I, I see Darren McKee, like we were talking about with, with his company and what they're doing there. The folks over at Beehive, what they're doing there, the, the can the, the employees are are empowered. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And that's also thought leadership, right? When you're putting yourself there as so thought leadership, I want to work for her. I want to work for her because she just went up there on LinkedIn and she put up a whole thing on X, Y, and Z topic that's relevant to me. That means a lot. I align with what she's saying. I align Mm -hmm. with her values and I would love to work at a company like that versus just reading some bullshit job description and benefit bullet points.
0: (laughs) That goes back to my five to one give to ask content ratio. Well, what is that, Craig? Well, Adam, (laughs) glad you asked. (laughs) When you are asking your employees to talk about work, and talk about what they love about the company and their job. Don't just give them job descriptions to post out and ask people to refer uh, Mm -hmm. applicants to. That's just asking all the time, and that's no way to build a network. And it's no way to empower your employees and help them to grow their networks. So give them interesting and helpful, funny, and or entertaining things to post five times for every one time you ask them to post a job out.
2: There you go. There's 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 your pro tip here. So let's let's bring it home here. This has been fantastic and uh, and one last point just to give the whole life cycle here is retention. Mm-hmm. Employee retention out there. Well, listen, I, I I think right now people are are sitting tight. I think they're sitting on their hands. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there in the economy, the, right. the world stage, politics, uh, drama out there which sucks for us recruiters. Mhm. In most fields, uh, aside churn, from error, churn is right?
0: low. That's right,
2: churn is low right now. People yeah. are well, th- historically, this time of year, a lot of folks are waiting to the new year. From a some people are bonus eligible, some people from an optics perspective like to see the calendar year. It's right. a real thing, like, yeah, I'm not gonna start a new job till 2024. Um, sure. but retention and, and companies kind of mitigating fear about the economy. I mean, what's your finger on the
1: pulse here?
0: So, if you are doing those things that we just talked about and engaging your employees in part of the process of attracting great new people. That is one of the best things you can possibly do to aid in retention, make them part of the process and, um, advertise to them, Mm -hmm. right? The great things about your company on a regular basis. Um, don't just Uh, Advertise to the outside world, make sure that your leaders and your employees are also seeing your efforts to talk about what a great place it is to work.
2: Absolutely. I love it here. So Craig, let's bring it home here. Tell us who the book is for, who should be picking up this book, who should be putting in their stockings for Christmas (laughs) and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all the other holidays out there that I'm not purposely leaving out.
0: Yeah. So really any business that wants to grow they are organizations with kindness and empathy. This book would be great for hiring managers, talent acquisition leaders, HR people, um, job seekers, even. Uh, there's plenty in this for job seekers about branding yourself and getting yourself on the radar of the people that you'd like to do work with. And then certainly recruiters and um your friends and family they'd all love it it's
2: fine it makes a great great holiday gift and craig where could folks get this book hiring-humans.com
0: is where to find this book.
2: hiring-humans.com i'm going to post this all up in the show notes craig fisher i want to thank you so much wait world series prediction rangers in six rangers in six you heard it here first and if you're listening live thank you so much for joining us and spending your lunch hour or your brunch hour, depending if you're on the West Coast. Uh, we appreciate your time. Craig, I appreciate you and your knowledge. We're going to link up uh, where to buy the book in the show notes. Craig, where else can folks find you? Where could they connect? Where could they learn more?
0: I am at Fish Dogs on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me easily on LinkedIn or just do a Google search. Craig Fisher and the word recruiting or talent or anything like that. I'm everywhere.
2: And there you have it, folks. Tim Friedman, thank you for the for the kind words below. Remember, everybody, you can find out more at thepodcast.com. Follow us on all the social media channels. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another. Be good to each other. Be better to yourself. Well, be, be, be good to yourself and be better to others. That's the way that one goes. work on that. I do. And uh,
1: everyone out there, enjoy your Thursday and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at the This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcast, or you're using it for B2B, B2C. It's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at the and learn all my secrets. Thanks